And welcome everybody to another edition of the CarCast. Tonight is episode number 105, which after much deliberation, we have determined to be the Nicholas Lidstrom episode, although Andre Sakura did get a strong late push for representation. I'm Owen Newkirk, he's Sean Shapiro. Um, I believe, even though I have some sort of upper respiratory cough, we do not have COVID-19 also known as the coronavirus in the vehicle. I sure hope not, Sean. But I hope not, um, We need neither of us, not to make light of it because it is serious, but um, I don't believe that either one of us are in the target demographics of the highest at risk, not for contracting it, for having the most severe symptoms. Correct. Uh, that being said, yes. let's not tempt fate. Yes. We're also but, not doctors. Don't pretend to be. So. I do it on TV sometimes. Fair enough. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Stars lose tonight in overtime, 2-1 to one, to the uh, Edmonton Oilers. I actually really mentioned the, the virus stuff just because if I do happen to cough, muff, um, sort of have a muffled cough on the car cast, I didn't want our listeners to think that I'm putting your health at serious risk. Yes. But then again, I also cough into my elbow or a napkin, so I'm not coughing directly into Sean's respiratory, so that's nice. But anyway, moving on. Be kind, do the vampire elbow thing, whatever. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Nosferatu. Anyway, Stars played a really great game tonight, at least to start. The the hardest part for me to say a really great game tonight is that they didn't, they weren't efficient enough with their scoring chances. They had a ton. They should have been. They were the better team, I thought. But and Anton Hudobin was fine. He was very good tonight. He made some very quality saves. No, he played well enough to win. I mean, it, it's a game, he, but... It, but, he, but they got out-dueled just because Miko Koskinen was really good for Edmonton. Miko Koskinen stole the game. Um, to me, this really feels like... So, I go back to... This game, to me, feels like uh, late December. Uh, sorry, not late December. Was it... Uh, it was the... Uh, right before right Christmas. Before, right before Christmas. So it was late right, December. Right before Christmas, and we're in Tampa Bay, and... Anton Hudobin absolutely steals a game from the Lightning. Stars weren't good. Stars weren't good. Anton Hudobin steals a game from the Lightning. Tyler Sagan scores the game winner in overtime. Um, and I remember we're down in the locker room area after the game, and the look on the face, and even some of the statements from some of the uh, people, some of the staff, some of the uh, other guys around the room as, as we're walking down there, it's like, we're taking these two points and running because we shouldn't have them. Get and, out before they take yes, them back. Yes, exactly. And that is how the Edmonton Oilers got out of this building tonight. The Miko Koskinen stole the game. He was tremendous. Really good. Um, Second straight game for him in Dallas where yes. he has outdueled the Stars. Yes. Um, and it's a game, too, where you look at this game. The Stars should have won this game 4-1. Four, four they should have won this game 4-1. to one. And I agree. It's... People want to be, there's times where the Stars win, and we get a lot of people being overcritical of, well, they won, but they didn't play well enough and everything like that. And you get a, we get a lot of that. And oh, yeah. so this is the game where I'm going to They played well enough and didn't it, win. This is where I'm going to swing it the other way. And if you're not, this, you have to be happy with how the Stars played this game. You can be, you can nitpick about the finishing and some of the. And some, Which we should, and, 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 we should, and justifiably and, so. And we will, but. If you take this game and you play, if the Stars play this type of game 
if you've got time, if a team like plays this game 82 times a year, since there's 82 games in a season, they're one of the top teams in the NHL. Yeah. And they're winning lots 55, and lots of 55 games. games. Unless they continue to have this systemic issue of finishing problems. Yes. Which is an issue. Um, Stars have been on this other side of this, Sean, where they have not looked great on the road in the first period on the second night of a back-to-back or the third game in four nights, which is what this was for the Edmonton Oilers. And Bruce and I have said this after, you know, first intermission. Well, wasn't very good, but they got out of there without too much damage, and that's what you want when you're tired and on the road. And so from an Oilers perspective, they were – I had to be pleased with the first period in the sense that they were able to get out unscathed. But from a Stars perspective, and we're going to repeat this probably several times tonight, they had to have more to show for it than 0-0. There are times this season where the Stars have come out storming, and we've been upset where they've only had a one nothing lead. Yeah. Uh, Arizona, not that long ago, dominating first period, up one to nothing. You need to go, man, I hope that doesn't come back to bite them because – they should be up two or three because of how well they absolutely dominated that period. Uh, no, I, and, I mean, I would have thrilled, be thrilled for one nothing after that compared to, yes, to compared, 0-0. Yes, compared to the final result there. Um, yeah, there's a number of guys you look at in that first period who could have scored two had great chances. Like, it's good on the line. There's Well, Gurionov had the very first yeah. one, turned the corner, tried to go against the grain. Koskinen made a save. Uh, the giveaway to Radulov in the low slot where he was kind of on his backhand, tried to finagle. I mean, that was a terrible yeah. giveaway. Awful turnover. He had a great chance to score. When Radulov is at his – when he's at his best, he probably scores that. The Jason Dickinson in the slot, one-timer, followed up with the rebound that Gurionov hit the post on the backhand. I mean, either one of those goes in, right? Yeah. I mean, those are the ones that off the top of my head in the first period really stood out. Of course – You've got Jamie Benn had a tip play. You've got some uh, – there was one where Dickinson made a wonderful play on the half wall, to won a battle, hits, yeah. threw it to Ropa Hintz, who's one-on-one with Koskinen, and he loses the puck and doesn't get a shot off. It, it, it's, it's one of those nights, too, where – Oh, uh, sorry to jump. Sagan later in the period could have shot it, goes across to Perry. If he connects, he's got an empty net and he whips. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's just the way the period it was, went. It was one of those nights where – felt like if the Stars had, um, you kind of felt like once the first one went in, everything was going to burst. And that, <laughs> you and mean the, the dam breaking? The dam, yeah. <laughs> and, that, I mean, that didn't happen. Um, but in that first period in particular, it's one of those things where I really felt like you get one of those and it turns into 2 nothing, and then they're running away with this game. I really feel that way. Especially with how tired the Oilers were. Um, I don't remember who it was, uh, but one of the Oilers media members mentioned that the last time they blew a team out, they followed it up with a 3-0 shutout loss to the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Stars could have done something like that to Edmonton tonight after an 8-3 win in Nashville last night. Had they, I, I think you're right, had they cracked the armor first, Yeah. it might have left to a team sort of sag, they're fatigued already, now we're behind, it would have given the Stars even more of a lift. I thought they continued to play well. You go to the second period, and Sean, the biggest problem for Dallas was they took penalties. Yeah, and that's something that's been an issue lately, is they've been taking, they've been taking penalties, they've been taking some bad penalties, and 
The other thing, like, both teams were upset with the officials tonight. I thought the officials were bad tonight. Yes. I thought they were bad for both teams, and I thought just the issue was there were so many inconsistencies that went against both teams. I That's the problem, yeah, right? Like, if you yeah. want to call nothing or if you want yeah. to be tight and be really ticky-tacky yeah. and call everything fine, but it was like picking and choosing. And you're right, and it worked against both teams at times. Yeah. And it, it was one of those games where it probably didn't really make a huge impact in the outcome because both teams had bad calls against them. But it's one where I feel like at the end of the night, everyone's upset with the refs. And, and, and here's, here's to me, is the greatest mark of a – the greatest notion of a bad, poorly officiated game that where it wasn't done consistently. The penalty that the Stars got with about two and a half minutes left, uh, 2.37, I believe, left in the third. The that third. was after the CO's yeah, second yeah, yeah. penalty. And I'm, jump, I'm jumping ahead, but – when I when a penalty happens late in a game, and my first reaction sitting in the press box is, "Oh, it's a makeup call." That's not good. Like, like this yeah. sh- it shouldn't be. My head shouldn't be going. It's oh, weird that yeah. it's a makeup call where you actually have more power play chances than the opponent. Yes. Right. That I mean, end of the night, Stars had a six-five advantage, yeah. and the only reason it got to five was because of the overtime penalty. Yeah, but it should it should never be at that point where I'm looking at a call like that feels like a makeup. I know at that point and, of the game, yeah. right? And and whether and so it was very spotty. The officiating was not good, um, but it's also not the reason the Stars lost, and it's not the reason the Oilers won. I mean, we've kind of touched on that. It goes back to the they goal got line. away for that five on yeah. three. I thought for sure yeah. it was the number one rated power play in the league. I thought that that five on three was going to yield a goal for Edmonton. Stars got out of that. Which was really something. Yeah, tremendous work on that power on that penalty kill by uh, Andre Sekera, Esselin Dell. They were out there for most of the time. Stephen Johns came in and a little bit later. Um, Braddock Fox and Jason Dickinson were out there, and then we even kind of got the uh, the ensuing follow up of the five on four. We kind of got the rare Corey Perry shorthanded shift because yep. obviously you coming out of the box when the team's on a five on three, you're going right into right, the penalty. Exactly. So and then. They get back to even strength. Stars get a power play in the later part of the second period. Yeah. And it was one of their better ones we've seen in a while. Yeah. It, I mean, it's weird how this has been. Lately, Dallas seems to be scoring goals on the power play because they've been really good. They're best-rated power play at 32.5% for the month of February. Of any team in the NHL, Dallas has the best percentage for the month. That's a very good stat. It is very But... We've seen where it's like, oh, man, minute, minute and a half of nothing, and then they score on a rush play. Yeah. And now your power play scores, and you go, yeah, that's great. But tonight was sustained pressure. It was the exact opposite. Yeah. They had great entries. Mm-hmm. They had sustained offensive possession. They created some chances, especially that one lead in the second period. I had them for five quality chances on that. Yeah. But they didn't score. What do you think of the rotation on that first unit? Or whatever, well, we'll call it the Klingberg You're unit. talking about the Klingberg unit. Yeah. Um, where we, where we have Radulov in front of the net. I, the biggest thing the, I'm torn yeah. is I don't like it when Sagan goes on to his strong side. Yeah. Because it takes away his one-timer. Um, he was looking, because what happens is that when they do pass it to him on the right half wall, now his he tends to float toward the corner looking for a pass, but it's taken away his shooting lane. Yeah. He did, so it becomes more one-dimensional. I say this, and then in the third period, the Stars tied the game when Sagan was rotated away, and Klingberg did his best Sagan impression by crushing one from the left circle. And Bruce brought up a really great point. Is Do you remember the last time John Klingberg scored on a one-timer? It's been a while. Right, that's not yeah. typically – I mean, and it was a beautiful shot. I, well, this actually reminds me of uh, last – I think it was last year – 
uh, I remember talking to Klingberg about slap shots or something like that, and he, I remember him kind of retorting back to me, when's the last time you saw me take a slap shot? Yeah, like, right. And he scored a great yeah. goal in St. Louis, top corner on a wrister. Yeah. With six on five. So, I mean, again, one of the reasons why players don't do that a lot is because the time it takes, it's harder to be deceptive. You can usually see where it's going. For example, Stars ran a face-off play with about 13 seconds left in regulation after an icing, a bad icing by the Oilers. And they set up Stephen John's one-timer, and it got blocked. Yeah. And they did everything right. The defensive forward just got in the lane and, and blocked the shot. Yeah. Good for him because I don't want to stand in front of Stephen John's slap no, shot. No, 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 yeah. Uh, you know who stood in front of a Gurionov bullet tonight in the second period was Koskinen, and I bet you that one didn't feel great in the upper shoulder. But, again, I mean, that's one of the reasons why you're seeing yeah. Klingberg get success through those those blocking layers by he moving laterally. Flo- and he floats pucks right. so well. Like- because he can put it around a leg or get yeah. it underneath the stick or, you know, just find those spaces instead. If you just wind up and crush it, look, it happens in beer league. Guys will block shots if you take too long to wind up. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of a good segue into that third period where this is – this is how the Stars finally do well, that Well, let's goal talk again. about the goal against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second period on the power play, not the five-on-three. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins takes a wrist shot from the left side with Alex Chason, who had been tripped uh, or cross-checked, excuse me, by Radulov. That was one where uh, maybe he gives up a goal that Chason scores if Rads doesn't cross-check him. Yeah. he did. So I wasn't as upset with him as I typically am when he takes a penalty. Yeah. But Chason had a great screen on that shot. Because I don't think Hudobin saw the Nugent Hopkins shot very well, did you? Yeah, I don't think so either. It's one of those where if you want to get... I, so I, I am going to go... One thing I am going to... I'm going to get picky on it just for this reason only. Okay. We've, we get, and particularly on kind of how well the Stars goalies have been playing, we've gotten picky lately and very... And that's fine. It's just kind of a standard of how good they've been. Right. But Ben Bishop lets up that goal. Twitter is yelling at me that Ben Bishop is terrible and Anton Hordovic should be a goal. Okay. Um, Twitter so, is finicky. And no, no, but because of that, I'm going to... Okay. I'm just... Are you suggesting... I mean, my, my look, Nugent Hopkins took a shot, and there was only one penalty killer and... And one Euler in front. Yes. So it wasn't as though he, he had an uncontested no, no, shot. My point on this is more so of the standard of the goal against, of being, of just... You'd like to see him block that, even if he's not making the well, save. I, stop, he, that, that, and I'd like to, and I'd like to ask, this is also kind of a call out to the point of the people who complain on Twitter of... You want the consistency. I want the consistency ah. of, of, of the standard of... If you're going to claim Anton Hudobin is the better goalie, and that's fine. If you want to make that case, we can have that argument, and we can you can talk about that. Sure. But if you're going to make that case, you need to hold him to the same standard. So that that's that, that and that's just a, a point yeah. that is. Okay. I feel like making. So, so you go to the third period. Yep. You're down a goal. Stars get a power play, and Klingberg crushes it. We talked yeah, a little I mean, bit he about it. Yeah, maybe should have been healthy scratched, right? Yeah, he's terrible. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I couldn't help myself. There sorry. are. So yeah, I know. I, I know. We fight, we fight the good fight all the I time. Help, I can't help myself. Deal okay, with continue. some trolls. Continue. You get more trolls than I do, so. Yeah. But I do get a few, uh, because apparently Jason Dickinson was awful, even though we all said he, he was good and 
Rick Bonus said in the post game that he was very good tonight. Dickinson was good tonight. Yeah. Um, one angry Twitter guy felt that I don't think it happened the way this was tweeted at me, but said that he ran into his own guy Gurionov in overtime. Don't think they actually ran into each other. I think Gurionov tried to to make a bank play like a layoff on the wall, and they turned it over. I don't think they actually crashed into each other, did they? No. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. So they tie the game. <coughs> you disappointed that they didn't get something out of that late power play in the third? Yes. Yeah, I mean, a good, they could win the game there. You could win the game there, and that's one of those where you... That like was not a great power play. No, that wasn't. The one at the end of the second was great. Yeah. One at the end of the third. So. And by the way, here's the interesting thing. I had 21 stars quality chances in the first two periods combined. I had 13 for the Oilers. That's a lot of quality chances combined, right? Yeah. If you think about it, that's 34. I had five combined in the third period. Like, it, it wasn't like they didn't do anything. There was some chaos. There was some angry plays, checking, some scrumbles, as you like to mention. But scrumbles, ultimately, scrumbles we only use when we do open that because it's his word. It did, but it, if yes, you notice, yeah, know, yes. but if you notice that uh, in that third, it was a Dave Tippett style. Oh yeah. Let's try to hang on to the, the point here. Yeah. So anyway, uh, now it goes to overtime, and Stars went with Gurionov, Dickinson, and Lindell against McDavid, Nugent, Hopkins, and Nurse to start. Jason Dickinson wins the faceoff. Good win against Dick, uh, McDavid in overtime. Stars get the puck. Gurionov goes forward. And then as we sort of talked about, yeah. there's disputed with one of our wonderful Twitter followers that there was a turn. I mean, there, there's no dispute. They turned the puck they over. They turned the puck over, yeah. I didn't think that they were I, – I thought that that was a hasty play from Gurionov. And then I thought he got burned defensively which is what led to Lindell be having to dive to make a poke check and taking a penalty. Yeah, and then it creates a... <coughs> but by the way... Great save by Hudobin. What a save. Yeah. I thought McDavid should have ended it right yeah, there. Yeah, I, the, I thought the game was going to be over right there. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. And then, obviously, the Lindell penalty is kind of a double whammy, too, with how much Lindell plays on their penalty kill. He's too. their top penalty-killing defenseman. Yeah. So, um, it's also four-on-three, which is really yeah tricky. Four-on-three, and then even... But even the goal against the, the game-winning goal, it's actually a bad, just a bad bounce. Steven Johns just takes, it looked like he had the chance to clear. He had the chance to clear, and, and they're going to be in good shape. Takes a bounce over his blade. Oh, did it hop? I couldn't it, see it, well. It hopped over his blade basically because uh, he was in the right position. Yeah. But then he gets beat. Yeah. So it. And then it's one on one chase on. When I saw it, when I saw it in person live, I thought he was over aggressive. I thought he whiffed. And. When you watch the replay, essentially it's a, it's a bad it's a bad bounce that puts Chase on a position to go in one on one and he finishes. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But so. uh, interesting note, John. I'm sure you find uh, you love these kind of things. Oilers threw four forwards out for that power. Oh yeah, that was great. They did not. Now I, I mentioned this in our post game show. I don't think they do that if they have Oscar Kleffbaum healthy because mm-hmm. he's their top – he's their Klingberg as far as their top power play defenseman, yeah. their offensive yeah. defenseman. But he's hurt, and so rather than put out their second-best def- offensive defenseman, yeah. they went with their best four offensive players. I like that I like that move. Yeah, it's something where the Stars have um, – <laughs> the Stars will never do it because of 
the presence, obviously, of Klingberg and, and Hayshkin well, in there. They but have two really talented guys that are offensive. Yeah, but there's been like in the past. Um, um, I know that it's something. It's an idea they've kicked around at when the time has been struggling, when the power play has been struggling. Just as a past, shake it up. Just kicked it around, but it's they've never had. Um, and I mean, Jamie Ben actually made a nice play to John Klingberg to set up the goal tonight. But yeah. they they don't feel like they have the forward who's comfortable up top in that role. Yeah, I mean, and frankly, Klingberg and Haskinen are so good. Yeah, no, and I'm not calling. Really, right, I'm not calling for that. I'm just saying it's. It, I, I like I, the idea of doing yeah. it if you have the right personnel. I like the idea of putting your five best offensive players out there, no matter what their technical position is. So. Right, but you have to be comfortable with at least one of them being able to be somewhat defensively responsible. So you're not giving up short-handed breakaways, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's the game. Stars get a point, but they lose. Uh, it's now three straight where they've played very good opponents. Yep. And have come up with two points out of six. Mm-hmm. Could have had something out of the Boston game. Uh, definitely could have had the win against St. Louis, but it's a tough team. They were right where with them. And then tonight, probably should have... I don't know. It's probably. Do I need to qualify that? Should have won the game. They should have won the game. Um, uh, how are you feeling after the th- last three games? So it's 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 a. Because they're right there, but it sounds like that feels like that's a bit of a cop out, isn't it? It is, and so. But you look at. <coughs> if I was to take the, if I was to take the last four games and I was to remove the scoreboard and just have you watch the film, I don't think you'd be that disappointed. Well, you have Carolina win on the road. Then you lose to Boston, uh, St. Louis in overtime, yeah. and then this one in overtime. But I think if you take a look at the Boston game, and you look, if you took a well, look, you know, considering they fell behind by two goals yeah. in Boston, I mean, Boston's best team yeah. in the league, and they ratted, fired back, and was, so, they got within one. There, so there, I'm not saying they made that, some mistakes in that one in terms of rush yes. defense coverage. I'm not saying that there's not a. Uh, like they, they need to finish. Obviously, they they need to finish, and and it is a bit of a cop out to say they look good. But if they I'm get also, the two goals tonight, they win this hockey game. Correct. And I'm also not – I look at their recent play as not good enough to win those games, but it's not concerning where – it's it's not concerning. Like, they, they've lost three games in a row. You mean the, I'm not the ship pan- isn't sinking? Yeah, I'm not panicking that they've lost no. three games in a row. Like it's. I think the only frustrating thing is comes down to we got to a point, uh, broadcasters, media, and fans alike – where the stars were really close to the St. Louis Blues. Yes, and now they're and not. And now the expectation has changed of, hey, they have a shot at either home ice in the first round or home ice for the entire Western Conference because yeah. that's what's at stake. And then St. Louis has won eight in a row. Yeah. And Colorado's won seven in a row. And suddenly there's a gap. Mm-hmm. But what you should really look at is the gap between Winnipeg and Dallas because they've now leapt into 74 points. Ahead of Nashville, who's lost three straight, but that gap to stay in third versus the wild card, I think, is a really important place to be, don't you? And I don't even think that's a conversation you want to be in. Like, I, think, I don't think you need to be in. I, I think that's a the conversation for Dallas is you want to measure yourself against Colorado right. and St. Louis, and so and they still can. Yes, they that. still can. So, uh, quick side note for those analytics junkies out there, uh, your colleague Dom Lachizan today tweeted out or actually posted an article about strength of schedule. Yeah. Did you glance at that today? I didn't read through all of it yet. But I got did you look at the gra- at the chart? Yeah. It's- Stars have like the third or fourth best, quote unquote, best schedule. To, to, yeah. As far as easiest. Yeah. Colorado's right there too, though. Um, 
some other teams have some really tough ones. Yeah. I think Columbus had one of the worst. Yeah. But you know who had the HUD most difficult? Who? Detroit. Of course they do. <laughs> like, yeah. but that's the thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter unless you take care of what you have to win those yeah. games, right? The Stars have a bunch of games. They have very few division games left. Yeah. And they have mostly uh, Pacific or Eastern Conference games to, to finish out. And a lot of the Pacific games are the ones that are the bad team, right? They've already finished their season series with Calgary. So still have two games with LA left. Two with LA. They've got one with San Jose, home and away. Mm-hmm. They've yep. got one with Anaheim on the road. Um, they play Vancouver, which is a playoff team potentially. Uh, Arizona and Vegas are good teams. But then they have a bunch of Eastern Conference ones, good yeah. and bad. And but the, look, it's back to the same old thing. They have to continue to play well, but playing well ha- still requires you to get a result, mm-hmm. right? Yes, I mean, that's correct. the thing that ultimately yes. we measured up. Yes. All right. Shall we turn to the lightning round? Let's do it. All right. We're going to start with Larson. Okay. Five hours ago. Should the Stars look at retaining Perry if the price is right? The second half of the season, he has been really good. He has been really good. Mm-hmm. Is there a scenario where Corey Perry fits with this team next year? Um, I don't see it. They're not going to get it for million and a half, right? I mean, could do you think he's going to command a uh, – if he, let's say he finishes out the year like he has. His numbers aren't that great, but we've seen him be – you know, Corey Perry. His numbers aren't going to demand more than a million and a half, though. Like, he's not going to get a raise. Is he going to go for a million? I mean, he's going to play somewhere. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think it's time to, I think he plays a role that Jason Robertson can play now. Um, Ooh, that's in, an interesting next thought. Next year, and I don't The only think, thing that I'm, I think Perry, as the Stars otherwise don't really have, is the jerk. And that's... And I kind of like, you know, they play Boston. You have Brad Marchand. And then you have your jerk, and he draws the attention. And the... and that's I, – I, I like I, that. I understand your sentiment on that, but I don't see a need – I would not bring back Corey Perry next okay. year. Okay. I, I, I think it is a – it is – if he, what he's contributing now is good, but I think Jason Robertson can play that role next year. I don't think you need to uh, – it's time to – Jason Robertson will be cheaper either way. Probably. And yeah. – it's not like it's hard to surpass the numbers Corey Perry has. This year. No, so. and you you have still Joe Pavelski for two more years. Yeah. Um, I do like the leadership though. Perry adds another guy, calm presence. The Stars have a lot of that. But you're right, they would be getting older. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you're going to see Andre Sekera next year either. No. But that being said, he's been very good lately as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jason writes in. You probably saw this picture, too. Miro Hayes-Kiltnin. I did see that, yes. There is so it was a photographic. It was blurry. I would have liked a little more focus. Uh, but it's somebody wearing a Haskinen jersey wearing a kilt, yes, which so was something that we brought up. Was we, brought had, to we, our we had no idea it existed, but people said that it It, it could have been a better photo. This was not going to go in Life magazine. I, either way, um, thank you for the effort to try. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yes. I'm not trying to totally bag on Jason's efforts, but, mm-hmm. you know. Not modern-day cell phones have the opportunity for rapid fire. So if you're trying to do it quickly with not being – you could have held yeah. your thumb down and maybe did it and get one of them that's – Yeah. Okay. Jordan writes in, 34 is so much fun to watch. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I'm being too harsh on Gurionov to say that I was not pleased with his overtime shift. That's both fine. In both zones. Do you, is that 
did you feel the same way? Yeah, that's fine. He was their best player for 60 minutes for, for in regulation. And then, he was very dangerous. He didn't yeah. score tonight. No. But I felt he was their best player in regulation. And then, yes, but yes. he had a bad, bad shift in overtime. And I think it's okay to say, look, trust your coach. He knows he's been around the game a long time. It's not like he's not trying to win a hockey game, right? Uh, Galapagos, my car cast question. It seems almost all opposing goalies go on a different level when facing us. Is there a reason behind that, or are we just so bad at finishing? Both. Stars just don't finish well. That's just. I think that's bigger deal than the goalies. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think. We had a caller tonight say, "Hey, what's the deal with us having trouble with backup goalies?" That has nothing to do with it. I think. No. It. I don't think that's a narrative like. Um, <clears throat> my first couple of years in Dallas, when you were still down in Cedar Park. Mm-hmm. Stars had a real thing of they're not they weren't a great team and they kept getting other teams backups because hey we're playing the stars tonight right yeah and so then the backup stops 50 and they lose two to one it was a constant theme that hasn't been like that this year so yeah no I don't think that is I mean the stars don't finish well that's been a thing all year um, it's not that they're just getting the other t- the the best the best of the other goalie every night tonight that was the case but it was also it's it's something self inflicted there some selves as well so um, our next one comes from AJ okay didn't get the W but I love the effort from the Dallas Stars tonight that's the I think that's the prevailing sentiment you should have you said yeah. this already yeah I agree with that Galpagus oh wait that's me the things I do for Sean and Owen that's a reply to the kilt picture. Wait, Galapagos was the kilt man? Apparently. Uh, again, blurry picture, so it's hard to pick out. But uh, Court, our <clears throat> longtime Austin I-35 commuter, doesn't come to every game, but puts in a long hour, long hours on the road to be at some of our home games. I don't like the strategy of putting regular penalty killers on the ice for an overtime kill. It's still so wide open. Put Sagan and Ben out there with Miro, maybe, question mark. Win a face-off and attack. Thoughts? Um, I don't think I would have put Ben out there, but I would have put Sagan out there to win the face-off. They did that yeah. in, was it the second or third period, where he actually lost the draw and got stuck killing for a, uh, yeah. you know, 30 seconds before finally clearing yeah, it Yeah, I don't think I would have put Ben out there. Uh, in that situation, you're, it was weird already, obviously, with... Uh, without having Lindell there. Um, so I wouldn't have minded putting Hayskinen out there. That would have been fine. Um, but I also I also think you go with, I think it's also a fair sentiment to say, you look at what Sakura had done and Johns had done on the five on three earlier in the game. And so. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. laughing at a picture. So um, anyway, let's continue. Um, section 208, quote, Bish is our number one because you got to trust your big money guys, end quote. Okay, fine with that. So help me understand Bones' overtime strategy. You can't make up for not playing Gurionov in one night by putting him against McDavid in overtime. And a less than 100% while not yet fully back Johns. See, this is confusing to me, Sean. I'm confused with the question. Well, I'm confused in the sense that if you're upset because you don't think Gurionov is playing enough and then he gets a big situation to play more... And then you say, well, you can't make up for it all from that. I didn't like that. You can't have it both ways, can you? He was their best offensive threat all game. He should have played an over. No, it was a smart move. I think coaches should play the hot hand, right? Yeah. Um, that's smart. 
Uh, who lives at, who lives at taxi, excuse me. Uh, considering Edmonton as the number two penalty kill, I thought our power play looked really good tonight. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Just no puck luck. Also, I spotted a kilt in the 300s. It was pretty sweet, too. That's what I was giggling, because check out the boots. Wow. Not bad, huh? So that's the second kilt sighting. I don't know if it's the same one or not, because it's wow. it's a pretty side profile below the shoulders. You can't see who it is, but still, hey. Good to know there's actually somebody kilt, wearing a kilt. kilt. Ardell wow. writes in, if you guys were pulled over during CarCast, do you keep the tape rolling? Does Dallas have a shot at the number one seed in the Central, and does playoff seeding really matter that much in the NHL? Two very different questions. Two very different questions. First and foremost, we probably would, <laughs> unless you turn the car off, in which case it would mess with the Bluetooth connection of your phone and how we record. But Ardell, don't jinx us. Yeah. We don't need this. Don't don't get us pulled over. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. What do you think about playoff seating? I mean, it matters. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. I, I think it definitely matters. And in the Stars case, it's a big, like, getting for the Stars, to me, one of the biggest kind of, the big roadblock for the stars that they have to get over as a team is the St. Louis Blues. It's a hurdle they have to get over. They have to because they don't recede. They don't. You recede. can't avoid them until the conference final. And, and so if you can, if you can win the Central, which I don't think they will, but if you can win the Central, you don't have to play the St. Louis Blues in the first round. You get a wild card team, so that matters. That, that does matter. A wild card team that isn't the Colorado Avalanche. Correct. So, Although I. St- I still think the Stars can beat the Avalanche. I, 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 I think they no, can no, beat the, no, the no, Blues. Yeah. They could also lose to them, too, yeah. to both of them. Yeah. Um, I would like to see them get the extra home game, get to second place, whether yeah. it's against St. Louis or Colorado. I would love them to not play St. Louis in the first round, mm-hmm. right? Ideally, Sean, they win the Central. The Blues and, and Avalanche have to play each other. And beat each other up in the first round. Yeah, and then you get the and winner you of that get series. The second yeah. round of that. Now, look, it would be great if they reseeded, but that's not what's going to happen this year. Yeah. Andrew writes in, what's it going to take for Alexander Radulov to reemerge and begin impacting games again? Not on the penalty side of things, of course. Um, I mean, he's got to score a goal. Like it's, I mean, that's not a. Is he in the same boat as Sagan was with the drought, or is there something else there? His drought is. So I. Th- Here's the interesting thing about Sagan's drought versus Radulov's drought. Sagan's game, Sagan has evolved more as a player to where even though he wasn't scoring, he could look at his game in a in a game of, hey, I'm still playing well, it's okay. He was also playing the playmaker role more. Yeah, and he was. Passing, yeah, and, setting up goals. He had quite a few assists during the drought. Radulov. Face-off wins. Radulov doesn't do as many of those other things where he can, where you can kind of find that confidence of, oh, well, you're doing all these other things. Well, there's not those other things he typically does. So um, he's, he's the one that that shows an incredible work ethic and passion for the game, grinding it out, winning those board battles, flinging the puck out in front, scoring the big power play goal, you know, just showing that sheer will. Yeah, <clears throat> I feel like. He's still trying hard, which Bones actually said is sometimes to his detriment. Yeah. Because it leads to long shifts sometimes. And, and the other thing with Radulov, too, is we actually just, frankly, we don't know how he's approaching things right now because he's, he not, won't talk he's, not, he's not talking. Yeah. So Chris writes in, or Christopher writes in, when are the Stars going to sign Curtis Douglas? They might not. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a decision they have to make. He's a big guy. He's a super nice kid. They have to make a decision and think yeah. is, how much do, do they want to invest in him. And that's with lower draft picks, sometimes that happens, right? Yeah. You take a flyer on a guy and maybe it doesn't work out. Yeah, as of right now, I know that decision still hasn't been made yet if they're going to resign him. To go and sign, sign him. him. Sign he's him still yeah. under non. Yeah. He's yeah. just playing as a prospect, sort yeah. of, in, the, in juniors. Jeff writes in, and this is the last one tonight, Sean, because remember. If you don't use the hashtag, we don't see your question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff writes in, one, what car do you drive what, Oh, in, in? What car do you drive in? Two, Dallas played great this game, in my opinion, but could Radulov be sat another game this season to kind of fire him up? He responds quite well to that and has been in a slump. Um, this is an interesting thought, you know, because we saw the scratching and the message sending that was a Jim, Jim Montgomery move. Um, do you think Rick Bonus would scratch a veteran to try and send that message? Because we know Jim Montgomery would do it. We asked about Radulov. Was it at practice yesterday? Or we, talked about today? we talked about him today. Okay, so it was yeah. today. Because Bones had an interesting answer. Talking about having this conversation recently with Radulov. Not Go, taking shifts where he's taking ice time right. from others. Right. There was part of that overlying of if he's taking too long of a shift because he's trying so hard to get something back that it ends up eating into the other t- player's ice time yeah. because he's out there too long, and then the next guy doesn't get out with his line or his long, so he has to get off sooner and blah, blah, blah. He made it sound like this is stuff that they've indre- addressed internally. Yeah, made it sound that way. Also, the other thing with Bones is – I don't think Bones is an external coach right now. No. He really no. tries hard not to. I mean, he doesn't even, even want to tell you about what the rope means. Even positive things. Like, that's like he doesn't even want to talk about positive things that way. So, Yeah, he wants to be pretty quiet with that. So, all right, there you have it. We appreciate the lightning round. Remember, if you send stuff without hashtag CarCast, we will not see it for the lightning round. Sean, interesting note, uh, Stars play the Nashville Predators, who lost their third straight game tonight, uh, lost 3-1 in Minnesota. They play in Bridgestone Arena on Thursday, and then a 1 o'clock matinee, Stars hosting the Preds, and I would imagine there's going to be some emotion yeah. in this back, this home-and-home. And the other fascinating thing to see in all of this will be um, excuse me. my uh, colleague at the Athletic, Adam uh, Vignan, wrote something yesterday about how the we're seeing the end of Pecorine in Nashville. Um, well, he didn't look good. Or the whole team looked bad yeah. last night against in the third period but, against Edmonton. So it will be fascinating to see. Um, do we see UC Soros in both games? In both games, right. Because Do we see Anton Hudobin in both games? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see with Ben Bishop's health. So I didn't think there was any chance that Bishop would play Thursday yeah. in Nashville. I thought he might back up. Yeah. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. But Hudobin had a history of some unbelievable games in Bridgestone. So yeah. that's not a surprise at all. No, and this is why they have a guy like Hudobin right now. So it's. I mean, I thought even – let's say Bishop was healthy and he played against the Oilers tonight. I still think that the idea would be in three games in five days that Hudobin goes to Nashville and plays because he's been really good there. But we'll see. Yeah. He may uh, continue to play for a while. I think he's up for it. Yeah, I think he's up for it too. So, But it, look, the Stars are at their best with Bishop playing at his best because of the X factor of his 
distribution, mm-hmm. his puck handling. It does. It adds an element. Now Hudobin's not bad, but Bishop is just elite at it, yes. and so it changes his ability to snap passes to the far blue line and make subtle reads and help the breakouts can be a major factor. Yeah. There you have it. Everyone, thank you for listening. We'll be back uh, Saturday, right? Saturday with the sun probably still shining. Yeah. That'll be weird. Another one of those matinee ones. Will be weird. But you know what? And I'll make this case again on Saturday. There should be way more afternoon games on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. 